0: That's EUFY Video Lock. Or visit UFYOfficial.com slash Video Lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's UFY Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. You should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is the Best of Talk
1: of Champions, brought to you by Modern Woodman.
2: You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? will you have enough gold for your golden years your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated fortunately you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions that's your modern woodman agent your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Revs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America, touching lives, securing futures. <laughs>
0: Modern Woodman phone line. Call. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports.
1: Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Former Ole Miss wide receiver Mike Espy. What are you
2: doing right now, man? What's going on? Man, nothing much, man. Good to be here. Good to be here. Um, I have a sports performance training facility. Um, here in Madison, Mississippi, where we train athletes as as young as seven years old, up to professional athletes. Um, you know, in sports performance as well as we do adult boot camps and whatnot. Uh just trying to get everybody everybody right, everybody healthy.
1: Okay, so if Ben Garrett, out of shape, thirty three year old, walked into your boot camp, would I die? You would not die. <laughs> you would not die. Okay. Listen, okay.
2: everything everything is it's kinda on your level what you can do. Yes, we have a curriculum that we that, that we prescribe for you, um, but but I want you to come in and do what you can do to the maximum of your ability, um, and then we go from there. The point is to to get to get more in shape, uh more equipped to do things on a daily basis, so that by the time you look back at where you started and you're a completely different person.
1: Decorated wide receiver at Ole Miss, a fan favorite. Uh, you went and played with the Washington Redskins, so you've been in the NFL. Prospects when they come to you, what do you try to tell them about? Hey, Mike, I want to follow a career path like yours. I want to get to that level. How do, where's the starting point? What's the initial advice? What's the initial
2: encouragement from you? The initial encouragement, um, you know, everybody everybody doesn't make it to the NFL. So, like, let's just let's just clarify that. And so, by that being said, I need to make sure that. You know the athletes that I'm training that I have a close relationship with them um and so where I'm making sure they're doing the things right in the in the school, make sure they're doing things right off the field now you have some I have some athletes and I look at them and i say man if if they just continue on to the path that they're on, they potentially have to have the um ability to make it but you know I, I try to teach some of my athletes' goal setting um you know A lot of athletes just kind of say, hey, this is what I want to do, but, like, don't really have a plan to get there. Just like anything in life, if you're trying to go be a dentist or a doctor, you need to develop a plan to get there. You need to have a strategic mapped out route that's going to put you in the prime position to get where you want to be. So when I have athletes come in, you know, obviously the the workout and the training regimen is a part of that. Um, doing the things you need to do in the classroom is a part of that. Um, doing it, the, the specific things off the field to get there is a part of that. It all goes into this this pie um, of just becoming the athlete that you want to be and the person that you want to be.
1: I was listening to a podcast recently, and I think Reggie Miller was on. And Reggie said, you know, I want to help the next generation, you know, help them get better. They always ask me what tips you got. But if they ever try to come at me, i got to show them. Now, Mike, you can be honest here. Prospects right, ever right. say, hey, Mike, I can get you. Do you have to step in there and mix it up and show them? Man, all
2: the time. Listen, all the time. <laughs> this this generation, uh, you know, they, they might not have really seen me play. They've heard about me. Uh, but from time to time, I have to pop open the YouTube videos uh, so they can see. Listen, I have a, there's a team that I work with. Um, And I went and got some custom ID Nike cleats just for them, meaning not 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 for them, but for me to put on myself just in case any of them wanted to try me. But man, it happens all the time, man. Sometimes you got to put the cleats on <laughs> and, and show and show them a couple moves. Now tell them, listen, I used to be good with the fade ball. I, I don't I don't necessarily need that. I, I work within a five yard window, and then and I'm done for about at three plays. And I'm gonna just show you a little bit. But absolutely. You gotta gotta show the guy sometime.
1: If you had to run a forty right now,
2: what could you hit? <laughs> uh, don't do that to me, man. Don't don't do that to me. I I actually ran the forty on laser time uh, about three weeks ago and I ran a four six five Ooh. on laser. Ooh. Now nah, that's listen listen, my, my fastest ever um was a four two eight uh with uh at Ole Miss my senior year. Um when, when the coach's time does set it. So four six five, that's that's a long shot from that.
1: Yeah, but that's salty still, Mike.
2: That's still salty. Well listen, I can I can still get out. I can still get out for about ten about fifteen, twenty yards, and after that I don't have that get up like I used to. But my initial star is pretty decent. One thousand seven
1: hundred and seventy nine yards in your Ole Miss Career, ten touchdowns. I wanna to talk about one game in particular. Okay, so two thousand and three. It's one of the greatest seasons in Ole Miss history. Uh, That's the year that Ole Miss tied for the SEC West Division Championship with LSU. Do you remember the good times of that season, the Cotton Bowl, winning 10 games, Eli, all the accomplishments? Or do you think more about, for example, in the loss to LSU, had Eli not missed you when you were running wide open on the post pattern in the second quarter, maybe Mm -hmm. the game turns differently. What sticks out more? Is it the, the great things or the missed opportunities?
2: So, you know, from that particular season, the great things I remember more. You know, there are those elements to the game that I do remember. I do remember being wide open. Um, you know, I do remember those midfield goals. Uh, but, you know, you you as time goes by, you things kind of get a little get a little blurry. Uh, the good things seem a lot greater than what they were and that the bad things uh they seem a little worse. Uh, but I just remember that those were some good times. Uh the good times be at Ole Miss and I'm just ready for it to get back to that.
1: Ole Miss LSU two thousand three, the best atmosphere in Ole Miss football history for a home
2: game? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, man, like there are some great games to come through Ole Miss after that, but that that one that I will remember that one forever. Now, I go to a lot of the home games, um, but that that atmosphere was just electric. And then when when Travis Johnson Got that interception against yeah. Mock in the first quarter. Yeah, man, that place that place lit up.
1: I was on the fifty yard line when Travis Johnson took the interception off of Matty Mock and went in for a touchdown, and I was convinced. I was like, okay, this it's it's destined. It's destiny for Ole Miss to win this and go to Atlanta. I did y'all feel that on the sidelines when he made that? That y'all are a team of destiny.
2: One hundred percent. You know when 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 you say a team of destiny. You know, I don't necessarily know about that, but I know that, I know what we did in the offseason. Listen, every team works in the offseason. So, to a degree, every team can say the things that I'm about to say. But I knew how hard we worked. I knew how, I knew the countless hours Eli had us out there just doing pass scale um, when nobody, when no coaches out there, when nobody knew that we were out there. I remember watching Patrick Willis grind and do his thing. So, when I think about it, you know, we were a really tough, solid team, and nobody shied away from the work. And we had an amazing quarterback, Eli Manning, who could take us anywhere we want to go.
1: What do people not know about Eli as a quarterback that they didn't see on the field? What was he like off the field and working with him and the timing and getting the chemistry right in practices? What was Eli Manning? If he's an all-time great, what was he to you?
2: Oh, with 100%, Eli is an all-time great to me. Um he, he, by far, is one of the most, to me, one of the most accurate quarterbacks. But, you know, it's one thing being accurate, and it's one thing being accurate and throwing the ball with a certain amount of touch um, to where you're just not making things. Just Your receivers don't have to make these crazy catches. Now, we did make some crazy catches, and we made them look good sometimes. Um, but for the most part, when you ran a, a dig route, you knew that you were going to come out of it, and you knew the window which he was going to hit you in. Or if he didn't hit you at that window, you knew the second window was coming. But it was more, he was a coach on the field. And as he as he coached us on the field and we went through practice, a lot of those things came true to where our knowledge of the game increased. He was one of those, those, those guys who, when he was on the field, you were confident because you knew exactly what he was seeing and then if you guys saw things on the same page, you knew exactly where he was going with the ball, why he was going there with the ball. And that that just breeds a certain amount of confidence as opposed to just getting out there running routes and being concerned about yourself.
1: Mike Espy, Chris Collins, Tay Biddle, or I give you Laquan Treadwell, DeMaria Stringfellow, Quincy Joe, or A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, DeMarcus Lodge. Which trio are you taking?
2: Come on now. Come on now, you you already know I'm gonna go, You already know who I'm gonna go with. Yeah. Um, so I was looking. for. Listen, I'm going. I'm going with. I'm going with a a combination with Mike Evans and Chris Collins on the field. Um, listen, those other groups, awesome. All praise to DK, AJ Brown, DeMarcus Lodge, What they're doing, I'm fans. I cannot wait until next this next season happens, and I'm cause I'm gonna go buy every one of their last jerseys. But I'm gonna bet on myself. I'm gonna put me out there.
1: What would your advice be to Laquan and DK and Demarcus Lodge as They're going into the NFL.
2: Um, one that that everything this is this is a renew, this is a, a renewal of of things. Um, you know, to go in with a humble heart, go in with a solid work ethic, and outwork everybody. Literally, outwork everybody. Get in the classroom. Um, know your plays. Don't just know one position. Learn all the positions, and go in there and have fun. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is. It's a game. But the more prepared you are, the more you can have fun at the game.
1: If you were an NFL GM, would you prefer AJ or DK?
2: Listen, I love. I like both those guys. That's nothing I, I like personal. Both of them. Yeah, it's nothing personal. It, if I'm a GM, it would it would depend on what my team needs. Um, you know. You know. A.J. is is that that, um, that Swiss Army knife. You can put him anywhere. You can put him in a slot. You can put him outside. Um, and and he's going to dominate. And then so D.K. Is, is more noted for being outside, and he's a really stretchy defense, and he's that big body. So depending on who I have on my team already and what we need, that's how I would determine that decision.
1: Here's the question about D.K. that I'm reading in draft reports and from scouts and hearing from scouts. His three-cone and short-shuttle weren't good, actually historically bad. I mean, the only other two wide receivers in history that ran his numbers at short-shuttle and three-cone were Jarvis Landry and DeAndre Hopkins. Now, you can't compare him to DeAndre Hopkins. That's a generational talent. And Jarvis Landry's had a great career in the NFL. But is that something that you can learn or you can improve on in the NFL, or is that something that you could see being a sticking point for him?
2: It's not a sticking point for him. Listen, you know, some to just to, to be flat out there. Some people drill well, some people don't. Um, you know, and and those drills for him just weren't his thing. And and over a course of 8 to 10 weeks, he had to well, he was coming off of an injury, and he had to sit there and prepare for those drills. Um, what I think when you look at DK, what you need to look at, you need to look at his production in the 21 games that he played. His ability to stretch the field. You've seen his short area quickness when he catches the pass and literally takes two steps, which you have to be quick to get those steps out, and then you have to be long, uh fast to get beside him. He has that. I wouldn't if I'm a GM, I'm not looking at that and I don't have any concern because I've actually seen him in action do the things that allegedly those drills are supposed to say that you can or cannot do.
1: What was the NFL draft process like
2: for you? Were you a good driller? Man, I was a I was a good driller. Driller, man, I ran a, a really good forty. Uh, my three cone drill, it wasn't the fastest. It was it was like in the ninetieth percentile. My pro agility was about in the ninety seventh percentile. I, I vertical jumped at thirty seven, um, you know, and I was I put on about five pounds. Um, so yeah, it was but it was a process and that doesn't just happen overnight you have to be drilling it just persistence 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 um and then um you know some do well some don't
1: was there any draft interview that was weird that you
2: got asked weird questions Uh, i don't think I, i don't think the questions were weird some of them i did not seem very relevant to uh like what you know what I just got asked questions about my dad, you know, my dad was in politics or exiting politics at the time. Um, And I got asked questions about what kind of food do I like a girlfriend I had or didn't have things like that. But, you know, when I was coming out, I was so focused and so business minded oriented in terms of what I was doing. You know, I kind of wanted to talk X's and O's, um, you know, but at the end of the day, those interviews, They're trying to get to know the person, trying to get to know who they're going to pick up on their team.
1: I was a Cowboys fan, so when you went to the Redskins, or I am a Cowboys fan, when you went to the Redskins, yeah, I wasn't happy about it. Did any other team, did you feel like, really wanted you? Did you think you were going somewhere else when you got picked
2: by the Redskins? I did. I thought I was going to the Ravens. Um, You know, the Ravens have been calling me throughout the draft. Um, So... You know, well, 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 actually, let me let me back up and just say this. I'll say that draft day for me was a great day, but then it was a day that I will remember forever in the in the fact that I did not get drafted. I got picked up a free agent, and right. in my mind, I was I was gonna get drafted. Um, so, you know, I took a long walk as the draft rolled on. I took a long walk around my mom's neighborhood, and then my phone started blowing up. I got called by the Giants. I got called by the Ravens. I got called by the Eagles and I got called by the Redskins, but the Ravens had been the most consistent. They called me about three to four times and were telling me, Hey, listen, we, we might pick you up right here. This was while the draft was going on. And so then when the draft was over, I knew for sure that they were going to call me, but then the Redskins called me um, and and it was a great conversation. Uh, my family, you know, my dad had been at the DC all the time. So DC was like a second home. So um, and I'd always been a fan of Santana Moss. I wanted to go see what he was all about.
1: It's one thing I've talked about with many other former players before. A lot of them say if you don't make it in the first four rounds, you kind of prefer to be an undrafted free agent because you get to pick your destination because the money's about the same. Is that how you felt once you kind of came to grips with? Not, I know you want to hear your name called, but as far as controlling your own future, there is a
2: benefit then to being an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Like if if fifth round after that, I would prefer. I would love for my name to have been called, but I would, would prefer to kind of make my decision because, yes, if a team wants you, then it becomes on your terms. If multiple teams want you, it becomes on your terms in terms of where you want to go and how you want to go about it. So, yeah, I mean, the money is about the same from about the fifth on. So, um, you know, it's it's also awesome to be able to pick where you want to go. And then if you are familiar, because some people get picked up, go to different uh, teams because they have a relationship with the coach. Um, it's always good to have a relationship with a coach where you're going in because then you have somebody who you know is in your corner.
1: What was it like being the son of a politician?
2: Oh, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was interesting. It was fun. It was. Um, you know, sometimes you're in the spotlight when you don't want to be in the spotlight. Um, you know, sometimes you're you're around things that you don't necessarily want to, you want to be going out there catching the football and things like that. But what I will say, it was also gratifying to see my dad do something that he loved to do, um, that he wanted to do, wanted to help the state of Mississippi. And I got to experience a lot of things that no other kid got to experience. And I remember I remember I had a, a mock speech that I had to give to my school. Um and I traveled with my dad to D C the weekend before I had to go um give it. And I practiced it, practiced my speech at the House of Representatives. Like, I was I was on stage. My dad and I were the only ones in the room. And I said my whole – it was a Nelson Mandela speech. Uh, I said my Nelson Mandela speech on the stage of the House of Representatives for my dad. It was pretty awesome.
1: Did you ever think about going into politics after football was over? Yeah, I thought about it.
2: Um, I thought about it. It's, it's somewhere in my mind still. There might be a possibility down the road. Ooh. Um at some point, but, you know, right now I'm focused on just trying to help these kids, uh, help, help these kids try to get back to the community for which I live. You know, when I was coming up, my dad took me to somewhere similar to, to what I'm doing now, but it was in Boca Raton, Florida. And when I went there for one summer, I came back a different athlete. Just the, the, the mind was different. Um, you know, I, I, I got out of my comfort zone. And I saw what was really out there. So that's what I try to do with these kids. You know, some of them are really good. Some of them think they're really good. Needless to say, they're better out there. Um, Or they're or if they're not better, they might be working harder. So I want to instill that in the kids so that they understand that don't judge and view yourself by around your immediate surroundings or where you are because it's a big world out there.
1: All right, Mike Espy's in the huddle. You got Chris, you got – Eli, everybody else, you're all in the huddle together. Were you a guy that looked at Eli and
2: said, give me the ball? Were you one of those type of receivers? 100%. Yeah? 100%. Give me the ball. I'm open. But, like, I know a lot of receivers say that, but I'm open for real. Like, just throw me the ball. And as soon as I say that, Chris is on the other side. Man, give me the ball. And I'm like, man, give me the ball. So, but great thing about Eli, when we were playing Chris Collins, Chris Collins is like a big brother to me. He he brought me in, showed me everything. To me, he's the he he is one of the top three best receivers to ever come through Ole Miss. Um, but you know, so when we were there, that was Chris was Eli's go-to consistently. But we needed a big play. We needed we needed to pop top off the defense. He threw it my way. So, um, he spread around pretty good though. But that would be a great. I would love to be back in that situation again. Who did you pick Ole Miss Over? What was your recruitment like? Well, you know, I narrowed my choices from Florida State, um, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. I narrowed it down to those three. When I was coming up, you know, everybody thought I was going to Florida State. Like that was my that was my dream school. Um, when I I got the offer originally when I went to a Bowden quarterback receiver academy, Coach Bowden went to my dad and asked 10. Well, I run a 40 after the camp. And my dad was like, well, I don't know. He's going to be tired. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I ran a four, like a four, four, five, something like that, uh, after the camp. And they offered me Clemson, offered me on the spot. Um, but when I was making my decision, just to be honest with you, uh, I fell in love with Ole Miss. I went to Ole Miss. I went to some of the practices. I saw Eli. You know, Coach Mike McIntyre, at the time he was there, he recruited me. Um, so uh, he, uh, he, once you go to Ole Miss, man, it, it's hard to it's hard to leave, especially once you develop a relationship with them. And if you had a great, a great quarterback there like Eli man, it's hard it's hard to say no.
1: You're a Madison kid, you stayed in state. You don't see that kind of allegiance to staying in state anymore. Last year's class was the greatest class as far as depth is concerned, and mississippi recruiting history and yet a lot of kids left and went out of state do you think that's something
2: that can be fixed man if i would be honest with you i think there needs to be a culture change you know when you go to when 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 and coach from outside of alabama goes in to recruit they the chance of them pulling a kid to alabama is pretty tough right because these kids have this allegiance to the particular schools um it's actually a very funny thing because there's something called Mississippi Made that people say all the time. And like these kids are very proud about being from the state of Mississippi. Yet, we choose to go to schools outside of the state of Mississippi. I think the success of the teams at this current moment has a great, a great deal to do with it. I think once Ole Miss gets back to where they should be, Mississippi State gets to where they should be, I think that's when you should really start to see the kids going to the schools in-state. Um, but that'll only happen if these kids in-state kind of see that they could be a part of something that can transition and change the culture and transition these schools to a different place. But, I, yeah, I think the success of the teams has a great, great deal to do with
1: it. All right. One of the last things, your best at Orgeron story.
2: Oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, coach O, Coach O, Coach O. I remember uh he came in the lock, I mean, excuse me, in the team meeting one day. Like my my memory gets kind of kind of funny, so I might get it wrong a little bit. But I know he just came in there with that Cajun voice, that the little little rusty um accent he has. And I believe he started to challenge another coach. not not really, not really challenging, but he was trying to get us pumped up, get us excited. He started he ripped like ripped his shirt off. Then another coach ripped his shirt off. And me, I'm sitting here as a senior, like I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, oh, who are these guys? Uh but it was it was awesome, man, because we hadn't had that. You know, he was a new coach coming in, trying to change the culture from what we did the previous season. And uh, so yeah, that's my best story. When did you know it wasn't gonna work? Huh. Man, I remember I remember I I forget what game it was but I, the quarterback dropped back in the pocket and he got sacked but like nobody hit him Me, meaning like I think one of our offensive linemen bumped him and he and he got he got dropped and the thing is I look at that the quarterback is Michael Spurlock that's my boy he is the most athletic one of the most athletic guys I've ever known in my life. Um, so when that happened, I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, this is going to be a long season. Because it's like when something like that happens with a guy who's running a 4-3 and with calf size, calves the size of a bowling ball, I don't know. It, it, and it didn't turn out to be a great season, but a lot was learned throughout that season.
1: No one can convince me after the Cotton ball season, winning four games, I remember before David Cutcliffe got fired, I was talking to Robert Lane one time, and he said that Cutcliffe told him, "Hey, look, you're going to be the quarterback next year. Spurlock was going to do what he did in the NFL. He was going to become the all-world guy at wide receiver, running back, whatever." Do you think Robert Lane, David Cutcliffe gets another year? Robert Lane at quarterback, the winning comes back quickly.
2: Man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. I love uh, Spurlock at the quarterback position. I do. Really? I just think that, that I think that we perhaps. Um, The approach could have been different. You know, perhaps we put him in a, not necessarily a Eli system, but we create um, uh, uh, a system for him. Now, I think in offenses like today, when they do more of the RPO, maybe, like, we're more successful with that with him. But that just wasn't the game plan. So I think that's why it didn't work. All right, last one.
1: The quintessential Mike Espy moment is what at Ole Miss?
2: The quintessential Mike Espy moments. Uh, it's my first touchdown. My first touchdown against Vanderbilt, 78, 78 yard touchdown at home. Um, you know, I scored a touchdown. It was a post. The, the play was actually 762 x post. And Eli dropped back, hit me on the dime. I got in the end zone. I did some little celebrating, came back to the sideline. Coach Cutcliffe got on me a little bit. But, yeah, I remember that one forever. Yeah, Cut
1: doesn't seem like a guy that really, would really love celebrating all that much.
2: Oh, not at all. Like, I had this wristband on that said the answer. Well, we remember who the answer was. The answer was Allen Iverson. Yes. And, um, you know, he had a little brand coming out there, and I thought it was cool. Well, Cut made me take that off and put on something else to be more of a team player. Like, in today's this today's day and age, man, players get to wear anything they want.
1: Yeah, you would have been decked out in all this Under Armour stuff.
2: Oh, 100%. I would have had on everything. I would have had all the swag. That's what it's about these days, the swag.
1: <laughs> I wish you would have, like, toasted a cornerback, and then because you loved Allen Iverson, done, like, the step over Tyrone Liu on him, you know, catch the touchdown, oh. step
2: over the cornerback. Man, that that, that wasn't really my – the the. See, a lot of people misperceived me. A lot of people thought I was kind of a showboat guy. Um
1: that's look I was but, I was how old was I back then? Good Lord it was 2003. I'm 33 years old now. That was 16 years ago. And that's what Ole Miss Fans loved about Mike Espy. It's that there was this perception that I'm going to beat you and when I do beat you, I'm going to tell you about it. So you don't need to run from that. Mike, come on now. That's no, what no no, no, no,
2: no, I'm not Listen, I'm not running from it. I'm not running from it. Um you know it's a it's a true fact that I, when I played the game, I was highly confident in my abilities and what I could do. Um And, but here's the thing, here's the trick about me. I wasn't really a talker unless you started talking to me first. And if you start talking to me first, it's going to be trouble trying to get me to shut up because I'm probably <laughs> not going to shut up. Like if you, if you open up that Pandora's box and you start talking trash to me, man, it's going to be a long day.
1: I was going to say that was the last one, but I have to ask one more because it just popped in my brain. I've been wanting to talk to Mike forever, so I got to ask this question. How the hell did y'all lose to Memphis? It couldn't have just been Tay oh dropping the ball. Oh, my
2: God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't look, man.
1: It couldn't just be Tay dropping the ball.
2: Listen, nothing, no win or no win or loss is made off of one play. Um, I think we overlooked them. Uh, I think we overlooked them. We came in. You know, we were obviously well-prepared. Coach Cut had had prepared us for the game. Um, But we just knew we were going to come in and win that one. And you know how Memphis always plays us. They play us tough into the ropes. Well, we had been clicking on all cylinders and we were just feeling so confident about ourselves. We dug a hole for ourselves in that game. And then once we dug ourselves a hole in that game and then we didn't hit two or three plays, it was lights out and they beat us. Um, You know, that was that by far is one of the losses that I look back on and be like man, if we would have beat Memphis and then if we would have beat LSU and we all, we lost 49 to 45 to Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Like,
1: I still remember I, rem- I still remember Vaughn in that defensive secondary they had no answer. And <laughs> zero answer for that group. That 425 did nothing to stop that
2: passing. I think they went over 600 yards. I know. I know. I know man, that game we lost 49 to 45. And it was just it was a shootout back and forth. But if we would have won those three games, well, we undeniably would have been in a national championship, or yeah. or, or, or in contention, or a contention to be in one. Yeah. But you know, hey, if it was a fifth, you know what they say. So we're not gonna look back on different things. All I know is that I had a great experience at Ole Miss. Um, you know, if I had to do it all over and make the decision again. I would do the exact same thing I did because old misses family is home, um, and it's a great place to be.
1: And we both can agree that Eli completely got robbed of the
2: Heisman, right? Oh without a doubt. Come on. That I'm guy not... I'll tell you, man, Eli is in college, I don't think people really understand like what kind of coach he was on the field. I don't think people really understand that what that means for an entire offensive unit, and I can imagine what that means for a coaching staff that you know that you have a guy who's an extension of you that's on the field, and he's going to put you in the right position. He's going to call the right play. Um, He's going to drop passes where they need to be dropped. So, by far, Eli was the most valuable player to me that year.
1: He's Mike Espy, former Ole Miss wide receiver. Thanks for doing this, man. Let's do it again. Thank you, man. Appreciate you.